بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وخاتم النبيين محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد Respected listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. As promised, inshallah, today I'll speak on the topic of Salat and Salam. Invoking benedictions and salutations on the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The verse is very clear in the Holy Quran. It's the very verse which I have just recited and with which I normally begin my speeches immediately after the khutbah with this verse of the Holy Quran. Surah Al-Ahzab Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusallun That indeed Allah and his angels They yusallun ala nabi They send their benedictions Or they shower their benedictions On the prophets Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu O believers Sallu alayhi Sallu alayhi You Invoke benedictions on him. وَسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا And greet him or salute him. A great salutation. Or greet him a great greeting. The verse is very brief, but it contains a wealth of information about the Messenger wasallam. It's part of Surah Al-Ahzab, and Surah Al-Ahzab, in a way, can be considered a surah of seerah. There is so much about the Prophet ﷺ in Surah Al-Ahzab. And with this verse, Allah is informing us of how he gives comfort And he sends tranquility and peace on the Messenger وسلم, how he gives him solace and comfort. The meaning of Allah sending his salah in indeed Allah and his angels they send their salah. On the Prophet So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sending salah is very different to that of the angels. 
And the word salah originally means devotion. And then it means prayer. When a person stands to attention and devotes themselves to something in particular, that's the original meaning of salah. Devotion. And since dua, when a person supplicates and prays, either as a form of worship or as a pleading, beseeching, supplication, either way a person commits themselves and devotes themselves to this particular task. So salah means devotion and prayer. Now obviously, in respect of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if Allah refers salah to himself, that I send salah, then it does not mean prayer. But it does mean Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's devotion and attention to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah's showering him with his mercy, with his attention, with his love, with his devotion. He also means Allah Azzawajal's honoring him. So the salah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his honoring, his ennobling the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah honors him. In Surah Al-Sharh, Alam Nashrah Lika Sadrak, Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ And we have elevated your mention. We have raised your name. And as some authors have narrated, such as Ibn Abi Hatim and others, that Jibreel alayhi salam came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said to him, O Messenger of Allah, Allah says, that we have elevated your mention. Do you know what that elevation is? Do you know what the raising of your name is? So the Prophet said, No, I do not know. Allah knows best. So the Prophet Jibreel said to him, The meaning of that we have elevated your mention, we have raised your name is that whenever Allah Allah says, whenever I am mentioned, you will be mentioned. So indeed, the Prophet ﷺ is mentioned alongside, the Prophet, uh, the Prophet ﷺ is mentioned alongside Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And here Allah says that apart from the mention of of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah apart from the mention of the Prophet alongside Allah, Allah himself exclusively mentions the Prophet honors him, elevates him. And Allah actually showers his peace, blessings and salutations and benedictions on the Prophet In fact, let me give you an example of adhan. So, 
Allah says, We have elevated your mention, raised your name. That means whenever, the Prophet, whenever Allah is mentioned, the Prophet is mentioned. But it's actually even greater than that. It's even more than that. According to that explanation, it would mean that if Allah Azzawajal is mentioned once, then the Prophet is mentioned along with him once. But Allah honors his messenger والسلام, in such a way, and by this verse, that in Allah indeed Allah and his angels they confer their benedic- confer benedictions and salutations on the Prophet according to this verse, it actually means so much more. And I'll give you one example of understanding that. Adhan. Whenever the Adhan is given, Allah is mentioned in the Adhan, and the Adhan is a call to prayer to Allah. And yet, let's look at the Adhan. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah. And then, later, Ashadu Anna Muhammad Rasul. Then Salah. Hiya ala Salah. And then Hiya ala al Falah. And then Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar again. And then La ilaha illallah. Yes. Allah is mentioned much, much more during the Adhan by name, but the Prophet ﷺ is also mentioned. However, what happens after the Adhan? Rasulullah says in a hadith related by Imam Muslim and others, he says, when you hear the Mu'addin giving the Adhan, then repeat what the Mu'addin says. And then after the Adhan, Sallu alayh. Send Salat and Salam upon me. And then, Thumma sallallahu li al-wasila. Then ask Allah for wasila for me. And what's wasila? He himself explains in the hadith that wasila is a rank and a grade in Jannah, which is not befitting anyone except one of the servants of Allah, and I have hoped that I am that servant. So ask Allah to grant me that wasila. For whoever does this, my intercession becomes obligatory for him on the day of reckoning. So that means that after the Adhan ends, there's a famous sunnah dua after the adhan which Imam Bukhari, Imam Muslim and others relate. Well, Imam Bukhari actually relates a complete dua and so do others, and which we know. But before one recites that dua, the instruction of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is that thumma sallu alayhi when the, when, the adhan, when the adhan is given, you hear the adhan, repeats what the mu'addin says. And then once the adhan and before you begin the dua, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, ثُمَّ صَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ سَنْ صَلَاةً سَلَامٌ فَمِّهِ So that means 
the procedure will be the adhan ends, la ilaha illallah, then what should everyone say? First of all, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad, kama sallayta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innak hamidun majid. Allahumma barik ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama barakta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka Hamidun Majid Allahumma rabb hadhihi ad-da'wati at-tamma wa as-salati al-qa'imah ati Muhammadan al-wasilah wa al-fadilah wab'athhu maqaman mahmudan alladhi wa'adtah Now if you look and what's the meaning of that first of all salat and salam upon the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam oh Allah Confer your benedictions on the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Just as you did on the Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam. And upon, his, upon the family of the Prophet, just as you did upon Ibrahim and the family of Ibrahim alayhi wa And Allah bless the Prophet Muhammad and his family. Just as you blessed the Prophet Ibrahim and his family alayhi wa once that ends, then the person makes the dua, O oh Allah, the Lord of this complete core, the Adhan, and the Lord of this impending Salah, which is about to be performed. Grant Muhammad al-Wasila, the rank of Wasila. And grace. And as the Prophet ﷺ himself explained, normally wasila means medium, but as he himself explains in the hadith, was ask Allah for wasila for me, and wasila is a rank and a grade in Jannah which is not befitting any of the servants of Allah except one, and I hope that I am that one servant. So Allah grant Muhammad ﷺ the wasila, that rank, and grace. And raise him to that praised rank which you have promised him. And that praised rank is on the day of reckoning when the whole of creation will be running to and fro. We will go to the different prophets of Allah pleading with them that intercede on our behalf to Allah to at least begin the, the reckoning. And then each prophet will send the people, the creation, to the next. So they will go to the Prophet Adam alayhi salam. He will send them to Nuh. Nuh alayhi salam will send them to another prophet. And Ibrahim, Musa, Isa, and then eventually to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. he will say, this is my rank this day. This is my charge this day. Then he will fall prostrate before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for as long as Allah wishes. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will. Only then, so even the Prophet does not know now what, or did not know then, what Allah will inspire him to say of the praises and the glorification of Allah on that occasion. When that will happen, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Muhammad, raise your head. Ask and you shall be given. And intercede and your intercession shall be accepted. 
then the Prophet will intercede on behalf of the whole of creation that the reckoning begins. That is that maqam mahmud, that is that raised and praised rank which Allah has promised the Prophet So we actually pray for that after the adhan. So if you look at the adhan, on the one hand, you have the short adhan, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, till the end, La ilaha illallah. And even in that, the Prophet ﷺ is mentioned. But as soon as the adhan ends, there's a very long prayer, along with salat and salam upon the Prophet ﷺ, all of which is devoted to the Prophet ﷺ. This is why I said, it's not just that if Allah is mentioned, the Prophet ﷺ is mentioned. Rather, Allah is mentioned in the Adhan, the Prophet ﷺ is mentioned in the Adhan. But as soon as the Adhan ends, after that, there's a long period in which every believer, man and woman, devotes themselves to remembering, praising, and praying for the noble messenger ﷺ. And this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honors him. And not just on the occasion of Adhan, there are so many occasions. And I'll mention a few as we go along. But Allah says, indeed Allah showers his salawat, his benedictions, his devotions to the Prophet And the salah of Allah is very different. And the salah of the, of the malaika, of the angels, is also very different. What do the, what's the salah of the angels? What's the prayer and the devotion of the angels? They praise the Prophet ﷺ. They pray for him, as the believers do. But their salah is different to that of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah does this. The Prophet ﷺ, sorry, the angels do this for the Prophet ﷺ. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings us in as a third group. So Allah mentions it first about himself. That I do this. My angels do this. O oh, believers, you do so too. So ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, sallu. O believers, sallu alayhi. Send, invoke Allah's benedictions and invoke salah on Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we do one other thing. So Allah sends his salawat, his benedictions. And we, along with salawat, we add one more thing, which is the salutation and the greeting. So, and also send your greetings and your salutations to the Prophet This is why we don't just say sallallahu alayhi, we say sallallahu alayhi wasallam, which is a prayer that may Allah shower his benedictions on the Prophet wasallam, and may he send his salam as well, and may he send our salam to the Prophet This may not seem like a very important thing because it's not commonly spoken about. And some people 
indeed do disregard it as, as a matter of policy. On occasions, I've experienced people who've told me that, why mention this? It's, it's not important. Or, why mention it? If someone wants to do it, they'll do it. If they don't want, as I related once before, that after a khutbah, Jumu'ah khutbah, in which I didn't devote the whole khutbah to this, but it, somehow, in passing, I mentioned one or two things about Salat and Salat about sending salutations to the Prophet ﷺ and invoking Allah's blessings and benedictions on him. So someone made a point of approaching me after the Jumu'ah khutbah and said to me, in as many words, that why mention this? What's the point of mentioning this in the Jumu'ah khutbah in public? You should leave it. If someone wishes to send salat and salam, they will do it. If they don't, then they don't. So it may not seem very significant, but the truth is, when we look at what the verse says, when we look at what the hadith say, it's a reflection of a person's love for Rasulullah. And in fact, it's, there's something unique about it, which is that it's not just as saluting and greeting the Prophet ﷺ and praying for him. There's something unique about Salat and Salah. So unique that there's a discussion here which is, or there's an interesting question. Allah says, Indeed Allah showers his benedictions on the Prophet on the Prophet, and so do the angels. Then Allah says, O believers, you invoke the benedictions of Allah on the Prophet, on him, and send your salutations and your greetings, or salute him a great salutation. So the question here is, Allah does it, the angels do it. O believers, so who, who's being addressed? O believers refers to all of those ins and jinn, all of the men and jinn who have believed. So Allah says to all of the believing men and jinn, you do it. So a very interesting question here is, what about the Prophet ﷺ? Is he included in Ya Ayyuhalladheena Aman, in those who have believed? Or... Is he excluded? Because he's, he's on the receiving end. So Allah sends his salawat on the Prophet The angels send their salawat. Allah tells all of the mu'mineen, insan jinn, all of the believing men and jinn, you send your salawat and your salam to the Prophet So what about the Prophet And this is why I said there's something very unique about Salat and Salam. It's not just a saluting him and greeting him or praying for him. It's something which Allah has instructed the believers to do. To the extent that the Prophet Muhammad didn't exclude himself from this. 
So he would actually say Salat and Salam himself. Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha radiyallahu anha, she relates in a hadith recorded by Imam Nasai ibn Majah and others, that when he would wake for the Hajjad at night, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he would rise for the Hajjad, he'd say his prayers, meaning not the Salah, but the normal prayers, he would do wudu, and then before beginning his tahajjud salah, he would, the words of Umm Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu anha are, he would praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then he would send salat and salam upon the Prophet. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself would send salat and salam upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So th- there's something very unique about this. That even the Prophet Muhammad used to do it himself. It's in a way, it's a form of dua and dhikr. It is. We don't glorify or worship the Prophet far from it. But since Allah has instructed us to do it, and his instruction is very very clear in this verse. The Prophet ﷺ used to do it himself, even though he was the recipient. He would actually do it himself. And it has been prescribed for us on so many occasions. Actual salat and salam. Entering the masjid. Leaving the masjid. Imam Muslim relates in his sahih. And so do others. That... When a person enters the masjid, in fact, Imam Abu Dawood, Imam, and all the others, they actually narrate these words that the Prophet said, when one of you enters the masjid, he should say salam upon the Prophet and then he should make the dua. Allahumma ftahli abwaabu rahmatik. Oh Allah, Open the doors of your mercy for me. And he should name Allah. And then when he emerges, again, send, do the same. So which is, take the name of Allah, say Bismillah, send salat and salam upon the Prophet and then recite what, uh, the du'as of leaving the masjid. And there's more than one. Allahumma iftahli abwaab fadlik, Allahumma inni asaluka min fadlik. Allahumma asimni min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. And there are many other du'as. So these are just some of the du'as, but regardless of which du'a a person recites, one should send salat and salam upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam whilst entering the masjid, whilst leaving the masjid. So after adhan, when entering the masjid, when leaving the masjid, especially on the day of Jum'ah, in fact, it's been clearly mentioned that increase, increasingly and excessively send your salat and salam on me on Friday. One who does so will earn the shafa'ah and the intercession of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam on the day of reckoning. So Friday has been specifically mentioned in a number of hadith that Excessively send your salat and salam upon the Prophet on Fridays, on Jumu'ah. This is a day in which 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has honored his creation. This is a day in which Adam alayhi salam was created. There's, uh, there are many things mentioned in the hadith. And then in that context, it's actually mentioned increasingly and excessively, send your salat and salam on me on Friday. There are many benefits. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts the dua of a person. On one occasion, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam heard someone making dua. So he began and he made his dua. He didn't praise Allah. And he didn't send salat and salam upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam actually said to him, you, you've been hasty. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam heard someone else who praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent salat and salam upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So to him, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, this is before making his dua, he said, ask and you shall be given. Imam Tirmidhi relates from Umar ibn Khattab radiyallahu anhu. It's not a hadith marfu' meaning. He doesn't, Umar radiyallahu anhu doesn't say that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam actually said this, but he just said it himself. He said, a person's dua, a person's supplication, remains suspended and stopped between heaven and earth until he sends salat and salam upon the Prophet And Ali radiallahu anh says something very similar, that every dua is blocked. Every dua is blocked until the person doesn't send Salat and salam upon the Prophet and upon the family of Rasulullah. Now, the interesting question here is that these are just the words of Ali and Umar ibn Khattab. None of them actually says in the authentic narration that this is what the Prophet said. But the ulama agree that the words of Ali and Umar are both related to something of which they can have no knowledge unless they actually heard this from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The Sahaba radiyallahu anhum were very careful. They were extremely careful when relating hadith from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu when he would relate a hadith at times, fear would overcome him and he would say that this is what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said or something similar or something a little less or something a bit more. He would be very fearful of quoting the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam and being imprecise so he would ensure that he entered and inserted these caveats that just in case he was wrong. So Umar and Ali radiyallahu anhuma, it's inconceivable that they would actually say something like this, which is related to the akhirah, which is related to the unseen. How would they know for certain that the dua is blocked unless a person sends salat and salam upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam? So the ulama agree that although they haven't explicitly said that this is these are the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam for the students and the ulama this hadith is mawquf fi hukm al-marfu' 
that it's a mawquf narration, meaning it's a narration that only reaches Ali and Umar radiallahu anhuma, but the ruling is that of a normal hadith attributed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Anyway, Ali and Umar radiallahu anhuma, both of them say that a person's dua is blocked and suspended between heaven and earth until the person sends salat and salam upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. By increasing our salat and salam upon the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it's a means of earning and gaining his shafa'ah on the day of reckoning. And that's clearly and categorically mentioned in many hadith. It's a means of becoming close to him. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu narrates in a hadith recorded by Imam Tirmidhi in his sunan. He says, The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, That the closest person to me on the day of reckoning, indeed the closest of all the people to me on the day of reckoning, is one who sends the most salat and salam upon me. The one who sends the most devotions, prayers and benedictions on me, he will be the closest of all people to me on the day of judgment. This is why Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu and the narrator of this hadith, and one who loved the Prophet وسلم, and who was devoted to him. What he used to do after the Prophet وسلم, passed away, do you know how frequently and excessively he used to say Salat and Salam? And before I continue, when we say Salat and Salam, what does it mean? What should we say? Is there any particular wording? There are many wordings to be found in the hadith. You could say the simplest of ones, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's what we normally say when we hear his name being mentioned. So sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You can say that. You can say the long one which we recite in tashahud, in salah. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad. And there are many others which are brief and short, but one can use any of these wordings as long as they are authentically narrated in the traditions of Islam. So... Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu even after the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he used to recite salat and salam so much that it said that when he would leave the house, he would recite salat and salam. When he would return, he would recite salat and salam. If he went for a da'wah, he actually went to sit down for a meal. When sitting for a meal, he would say salat and salam. When rising from a meal, he would say salat and salam. And that was Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu That's how the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum were. In fact, and not just after he passed away, but after he left the world, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Imam Ahmad rahmatullahi alayhi narrates a story from Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu that Anas radiyallahu since he was his khadim, his attendant, he brought out a bowl from inside the house of the Prophet ﷺ, in which there was some leftover water of the Prophet ﷺ. So Anas brought out this bowl. So there were some Sahaba outside, so they took the bowl. He, he offered it to them, they took it. They drank from the leftover water of the Messenger ﷺ. They poured it over their heads, and then, after having 
drunk from his water and poured it over their heads, they all sent salat and salam upon the Prophet so Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu and these other sahaba in his presence. What the interesting why I narrated that story is that that means this wasn't after the time of the Prophet when they were merely remembering him. And they would. Asma radiyallahu anha, the sister of Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha radiyallahu anha, once she went to Hajun, which is the name of uh, one of the mountains in Mecca. So when she approached Hajun and there were other people with her, this was after the time of the Prophet She said, "Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, لَقَدْ نَزَلْنَا مَعْهُ هَاهُنَا That may Allah send his benedictions and salutations upon the Prophet We set camp with him once here. So, the reason for me mentioning that is that the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum, after he left the world, whenever they would remember him, whenever they would remember a journey with him, or an occasion with him, they would see something that reminded them of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. they would say, as, um, as Asma radiyallahu anha said, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the unique thing is, she didn't say, oh, we came here with the Prophet and then she said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, no. She began her sentence and her conversation, first of all, with Salat and Salam. So she said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Laqad Nazalna Ma'ahu Hahuna. May Allah send his benedictions and his peace on the Prophet. We settled with him here once. So the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum, after the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, of course they would remember him and send salat and salam upon him. But in this story related by Anas, uh, Imam Ahmad ibn Hamdar rahimahullah from Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was in his house and the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum were immediately outside the house. And when he brought out this water to them, they took the water, drank it, poured it over their heads, and then sitting just outside his house, they sent salat and salam upon him. This is why I say it's very unique. It's to be done in salah. Of course, we send salat and salam upon the Prophet ﷺ in salah. We do it after adhan. We do it entering the masjid. We should do it when leaving the masjid. This reminds me, again, some may say, well, this is unimportant. Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal, someone approached him and asked him a question. There's a particular vegetable. So the questioner said to him, Oh, Imam, is it permissible to do wudu with the water extracted from this vegetable? And the reason for asking is, of course, when we do wudu. We use normal water. But sometimes the water can be uh, unclean because it's been stagnant for a while. Water's taste and colour and qualities and properties may be changed, may be affected. So it's a question which water is purifying and uh, does it just have to be a fluid 
for it to purify and be sufficient for wudu and ghusl and purification, etc. So someone approached Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahmatullahi alayhi and said to him, this particular water extracted from this vegetable, can a person do wudu from it? So Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahmatullahi alayhi replied to him by saying, I prefer that he doesn't do wudu from it. I prefer that he doesn't do wudu using this water extracted from a vegetable. Now, this is quite rare. When would such an occasion arise? But the man asked the question, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal replied to him, and then as he was leaving, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahmatullahi grabbed his hand and said to him, Ya hadha, you, come here. What's the dua for entering the masjid? He said, I don't know. He said, what's the dua for leaving the masjid? He said, I don't know. He said, go and learn this first. Meaning, before asking such questions, and before dabbling in such details, that can a person do wudu using the water extracted from this vegetable, learn the basics. Learn the dua for entering the masjid. Learn the dua for leaving the masjid. In your understanding and your learning of religion and your practice of religion, get your priorities right. So, salat and salam is part of our dua after adhan, dua entering the masjid, dua leaving the masjid. On so many occasions, the Prophet ﷺ has actually prescribed this for us. There are many rewards. Who, in another verse, Allah actually says, that he, it is he, Allah, who sends his salah on you and his angels. But when Allah showers us with his salawat, in respect of us, it's very different to the Prophet ﷺ. For us, it just means mercy. It's the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah does send and Allah does shower his salawat upon his believers, upon his creation. But that salah, that salah is merely mercy. It's a blessing, blessing and mercy. It's very different to that of the Prophet ﷺ. Now, who wouldn't want the salah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we are suffering in misfortune, we are struck by a calamity, when we are distressed, we seek solace, comfort and peace of mind in any which way we can. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says of those who have been afflicted by misery and misfortune, Allah says, وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا أَصَابَتْهُمْ مُصِيبَةٌ قَالُوا إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ أُولَٰئِكَ عَلَيْهِمْ صَلَوَاتٌ مِّن رَبِّهِمْ وَرَحْمَةٌ وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُهْتَدُونَ And give glad tidings to those patient ones who whenever they are afflicted by misfortune or calamity, what do they say? إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ They remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they say, verily, we belong to Allah and unto Allah we shall return. Just for saying that much, and just for being patient, genuinely patient, Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ عَلَيْهِمْ صَلَوَاتٌ مِّن رَبِّهِمْ وَرَحْمَةٌ Give these people my glad tidings, O Messenger of Allah, and know that these are the people 
on whom Allah showers his blessings and his salawat and his mercy. That means tranquility. What this verse tells us, that when a person is afflicted by misery, misfortune, when a person is tested, when a person undergoes trials and tribulations, when a person is sad, sorrowful, feeling miserable, when a person is distressed, that on such occasions, one of the best methods of reform, rectification, and of making oneself feel better, or of recovery, is the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remembering Allah, and salat and salam upon the Prophet Who wouldn't want? Sometimes when we are distressed, we, we just want someone to listen to us. That's all. We want to get it off our chest. We want to share the details of our misery and misfortune with others. We just want a shoulder to cry on, a shoulder to lean on, someone to talk to, someone who can listen to us. They don't even have to say much, but just for them to lend an attentive ear, make us feel worthy, valuable, cherished and important. And if they actually do utter a few words of solace and comfort, then that's a bonus. Imagine, no matter how great our burden and how acute our pain, one person's kind words can do so much to repair and rectify the situation. And that's just one other human being. Imagine how tranquil and how serene a person can feel if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showers his blessings, his tranquility, his serenity, his sakina and his mercy on that individual. Now in light of that, listen to what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam says. Imam Muslim rahmatullahi alayhi says in a hadith, Man salla alayya wahidatan sallallahu alayhi ashra. Whoever sends one salah, just one salah upon me, Prophet ﷺ says, whoever sends one salah upon me, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send salah upon him ten times. So we say once for the Prophet ﷺ, in his words, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward us with ten salawat. And this is another unique point about this verse. In the verse of Surah Al-Ahzab, which I began explaining at the beginning, إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُصَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا صَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ وَسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا Verily Allah and His angels confer and shower their benedictions and salutations upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. O believers, you do it too. The message, the lesson, the instruction isn't that we need to do this for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa therefore you do it too. Rasulullah alayhi salatu wasalam is in no need, no need whatsoever of our salat and salam. He isn't. In fact, Rasulullah alayhi salatu wasalam is in no need of the salawat of the angels. Because 
When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala primarily, first and foremost, sends his salat and salam upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is there any need for the angels to do it? Or for the creation to do it? Is he in need of anyone's salah after the salawat of Allah? Is he? No. So why do the angels do it? The angels do it by the command and the instruction of Allah and to follow what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. So when Allah tells us, oh believers, you do it too. Allah is not asking us for a favor to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. No. Allah is asking us, I do it. My angels do it because of me. Would you like to join in? For your sake. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ says, whoever sends one salah upon me, Allah will send ten salawat upon him. Ten. And there are many hadith about this, not just one. I just quoted the most famous hadith of Sahih Muslim. And in that same hadith in Sahih Muslim, which I quoted earlier about what we should say after Adhan, Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, when, he, when you hear the Mu'addin, repeat what he says, and then say, and then send Salat and Salam, Salah upon me. And then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, مَنْ صَلَّى عَلَيَّ صَلَاةً صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ بِهَا عَشْرًا For whoever sends one salah upon me, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send ten salah upon him. And that's in that same hadith about Adhan. So every time we send one salah to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showers ten salawat upon us. Ten instances of mercy, of tranquility. And it's not just one for ten. In a number of hadith, I won't go through all of the, every single hadith in detail, but collectively what we learn from reliable, authentic hadith is that when a person sends one salah upon the Prophet ﷺ, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends ten salah upon him. Allah forgives ten of his sins. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevates him ten ranks. For every salah, ten sins are forgiven. Ten, he is elevated and raised by ten ranks. And Allah sends ten salah upon him. Salah and salam upon him. Sayyidina Abdul Rahman ibn Awf, one of the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he says that once, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal relates his hadith, he says that once the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam left to go somewhere. So I came to visit him. Uh, some of the details are from other hadith, but the main narration is from Ahmad ibn Hanbal. He said, I came to see him, but he had left, so I followed him. So I then discovered that the Prophet ﷺ entered a particular orchard of palm, a palm grove, an orchard of palm trees. And there the Prophet ﷺ performed salah. And then I arrived, and I, he was there, he was performing salah. And then he fell into sujood, into prostration. And he remained in sujood for so long that I had never seen him remain in prostration for that long ever before. So I actually feared for him, and I feared that maybe his soul has expired. So I came close to him, and then, in my worry and concern, I sat 
close to him, meaning behind him. Then I saw that the Prophet ﷺ raised his noble head. So he turned around and he said, who is it? So I said, Abdurrahman ibn Awf. So he said, what do you want, O Abdurrahman? He said, Ya Rasulullah, I was fearful because I saw you fall into sujood and prostration for so long that I had never seen it before. And I feared that I would never see you again. That your soul had departed and I would never meet your soul again. So the Prophet said, Abdurrahman, the reason why I prostrated for so long is that Jibreel came to me and he gave me the glad tidings that anyone from my ummah who sends one salah that Allah, he, he gave, Jibreel came to me and gave me the glad tidings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, whoever of your ummah, O Prophet, sends one salah upon you, I will send ten salah upon him. And whoever sends one salam upon you, I will say, I will send ten salam upon him. And in one of the narrations, the wording is, O Muhammad, does it not please you that anyone of your ummah who sends one salah upon you, I will send ten salah upon him. Anyone who sends one salam upon you, I will send ten salam upon him. So the Prophet ﷺ said, because I received these glad tidings, I prostrated to Allah such a long prostration out of shukr and gratitude. Imagine, his shukr and gratitude is for the ummah, not for himself. It's for the ummah that Allah has given my ummah such a reward. For every salam, ten salam. For every salah, ten salawat. One blessing that we send to him, one benediction that we send to him, one salutation, one greeting, we receive ten in return from Allah directly. Furthermore, ten sins are forgiven. We are raised by ten ranks. And that's all the time. And in one hadith, the Prophet ﷺ actually says, Therefore, let someone do this as little as they wish or as excessively as they wish. So do it as much as you want. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will shower a person with blessings and forgiveness. There's a very beautiful hadith by, by, uh, from Ubayy ibn Ka'b radiyallahu anhu. Truly. Imam Tirmidhi rahmatullahi relates this hadith that Ubayy ibn Ka'b radiyallahu anhu says the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam addressed the Sahaba radiyallahu anhu and said to them, O believers, he encouraged them to rise at night. And to pray. And then he mentioned the names of the Day of Judgment and said, They have come. And death has come with all that it brings. Death has come with all that it brings. So he was encouraging the believers that rise and pray at night. Then Ubayyar said to the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, I, and what it means is that when I Pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when I worship Allah, when I do my ibadah, and when I pray to Allah for myself. So when I do dua, when I supplicate, I ukthiru salata alayk. I excessively mention salat and salam on you in my own personal dua. That's the meaning of the hadith. That's so. 
Ubayr radiallahu anhu said to him, what it is, the whole hadith is as follows. The, at the beginning of the hadith, Ubayr radiallahu anhu simply relates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa encouraged the Sahaba radiallahu anhum to rise at night and pray. Then Ubayr radiallahu anhu says that I said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah, inni ukthiru salata alayk, I excessively send salat and salam on you. And what that means is that, I'm explaining so that we can understand the rest of the hadith, that when I pray to Allah, even the connection may be that at night in tahajjud, when I rise at night and I pray to Allah, these words aren't mentioned, this is the explanation, that when I rise at night and when I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, during my prayer and my supplication and my pleading with and beseeching Allah, for my own personal things, in that dua, during that supplication, I excessively send salat and salam upon you. So, Ya Rasulullah, how much of my dua should be salat and salam upon you? How much of my dua should I make and devote to just salat and salam upon you? So the Prophet said, Ma shit, whatever you wish, however much you wish. So Ubay radiallahu anhu said, Ya Rasulullah, a quarter? So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, If you wish, but if you do more, then it's better for you. So Ubay radiallahu anhu said, Half, Ya, ya Rasulullah, meaning half of my dua, should I devote half of my dua and supplication just to salat and salam upon you? So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, If you wish, but if you do more, it's even better for you. So Ubayr radiallahu anhu said, Ya Rasulullah, should I devote two-thirds of my whole dua and supplication just to salat and salam upon you? So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, if you wish, but if you do more, it's even better for you. So Ubayr radiallahu anhu said, Ya Rasulullah, what if I was to devote my entire dua just to salat and salam upon you? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Idhan tukfa hammak. In that case, all your concerns will be taken care of and your sin shall be forgiven. Imagine. All your concerns will be taken care of and your sin shall be forgiven. Salat and salam upon the Prophet should be part of the repertoire of a believer, should be part of his language, should be part of his regular recitation. Abdullah ibn Masood radiallahu anhu would send salat and salam when leaving the house, not just when entering the masjid and leaving the masjid, coming in and out of the house, sitting down for, for food, rising from food. He would send salat and salam on almost every occasion. Ubayy ibn Ka'b radiallahu anhu says, what if I devote my entire dua just to salat and salam upon you? Now, this is important. I've been mentioning the verse of the Qur'an, Ya amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu Now, the ulama actually say that this is a clear categorical verse of the Qur'an. And that means Allah is commanding us, Allah is instructing us. So, what's the ruling? Is it merely recommended? Is it merely an encouragement? Or is it an obligation? So the ulama more or less agree that because of this verse, 
it's obligatory on every believer at least once in a lifetime to send salat and salam upon the Prophet Furthermore, ulama agree that in a gathering, whenever a person hears this verse, it's obligatory to respond to it. It's obligatory at least once in a lifetime. Everyone agrees with that. There is no difference of opinion about that. Many of them say, they go further and they say, every time a person hears this verse, they must say salat and salam upon the Prophet And I won't burden you with the details, but some people go even further, like Imam Tahawi, rahmatullahi alayhi, and others, great ulama and imams, they actually say it's wajib and obligatory every single time a person hears the name of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the, one of the reasons for saying that is that so far I've only spoken about those ahadith, just some, there are so many ahadith on the topic, that encourages. But on the other hand, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa has actually warned us that if you don't do it, what happens? Imam Tirmidhi rahmatullahi relates a hadith in his sunan. Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal too. From Ali radiyallahu an, who says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Al-bakheelu alladhi man dhukirtu indahu falam yasalli alayhi. That the stingy, tight-fisted, miserly person is he in whose presence my name is mentioned and he does not send salat and salam upon me. And from Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma, that whoever, in whoever's presence my name is mentioned, and then he forgets, or he, the meaning is he leaves mentioning salat and salam upon me, khati al-jannah, he has missed the path to jannah. He has missed the path to jannah. And that famous hadith related by Imam Hakim and Al-Mustadrak and others, that from Ka'b ibn Ujrah radiyallahu an, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam once climbed the mimbar. And he placed his foot on the first step of the mimbar and he said, Ameen. Then the second, Ameen. Third step, Ameen. When he descended, the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum said to him, Ya Rasulullah, today we've seen you do something. We heard you say, Ameen, Ameen, Ameen. Why? So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Jibreel came to me when I placed my foot on the first rung and step. And he said, the wording is to be found in many different narrations. In the narration of Al-Hakim in Al-Mustadrik, it's Bu'dan. But in other narrations, Shaqiya. And others, may Allah distance him. So the meaning of the hadith is the Prophet in other narrations, may that person's be, nose be rubbed in the dust. So the collective meaning of these hadith is that the, Jibreel came to the Prophet when he placed his foot on the first step and he said, may that person's nose be dusted, rubbed in the dirt. May that person be distanced from the mercy of Allah. Wretched is that individual in, uh, who discovers the month of Ramadan 
and then still does not earn the forgiveness of Allah with the passing of Ramadan. So the Prophet said, I said, Ameen. Of course, they couldn't hear the dua of Jibreel. This is why he told them later. Then he said, when I placed my foot on the second step, Jibreel made the dua and said, may that person's nose be rubbed in the dirt, may he be distanced from the mercy of Allah, may that person be wretched, who finds one or both of his parents during his life and then is unable to earn Jannah through the service of one or both of these parents. Prophet said, Ameen. This was actually the third dua. And the second dua was, I missed it, the second dua was, Jibreel alayhi salam said, May that person be distanced from the mercy of Allah. May he be wretched. May his nose be rubbed in the dirt, in whose presence your name is mentioned, and he does not send salat and salam upon you. So, Again, the Prophet ﷺ said, Ameen. And then the third dua was about the, angel, uh, about the parents. And in some of the narrations, the order is different. But these are the three dua. One about, Allah, uh, one about Ramadan, one about the parents, and one about the noble Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. So, yes, on the one hand, there are many virtues of sending salat and salam upon the Prophet ﷺ. On the other hand, there are warnings as well in the hadith for someone who fails to do so. Why? Because it's a lack of respect, a lack of a demonstration of one's love for the Messenger ﷺ, considering everything that he has done for us, that he will do on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, his shafa'ah, his intercession, his prayers, his tears for us, his weeping, his suffering. And then the least, uh, and then a person cannot even move his or her lips and send salat and salam upon the Prophet ﷺ. Indeed, as he says, that's a stingy one, that's a miserly, tight-fisted one, the one who fails to send salat and salam upon the Prophet ﷺ when he hears his name being mentioned. There are many of the ahadith, both of warnings, both of an encouragement. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to appreciate the significance and the virtue of salat and salam upon the noble messenger sallallahu alayhi wa May Allah azza wa make us amongst those who are blessed with his salawat and his mercy, his, the, tra- the showering of his serenity and tranquility and sakinah on us by virtue of our sending salat and salam upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa This increases the love for Rasulullah alayhi salatu wa for some, it may not be very important, but many others have experienced that someone who excessively recites Salat and Salam upon the Prophet ﷺ can actually be blessed with his vision in a dream. And many people, many scholars, many ulama have reported this. So there are many benefits. In the Arab world, one of the unique things is that people have deve- developed a habit over centuries of sending salat and salam on every occasion. So, to the extent that they, when someone forgets something, they say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, and family members tell one another, salli ala nabi, salli ala nabi, that uh, say salat and salam, maybe you'll remember. 
And when someone wishes to plead clemency, someone wants another person to be lenient and be a bit forgiving and tolerant, they soften their hearts by reminding them of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, for instance, if two people are trading and one's demanding an exorbitant price, the other one will normally say very eloquently and humbly, Salli ala nabi Salli ala nabi that send salat and salam upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. By reminding the other person of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there's hope that their heart is softened and they may relent and be a bit more considerate. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work. I remember my own story. I was with one of, one of the fellow ulama who in a, we were both visiting an Arab country. In fact, we visited more than one Arab country at the time. And on this particular leg of the journey, we were in a taxi. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on him. He passed away just a few months ago. May Allah forgive him and elevate his rank. He was extremely ill and he passed away. So we were traveling and we were in a taxi. There was a traffic jam. and Well, not exactly a traffic jam, but traffic was slow. And the police were using that as an occasion to harass the taxi drivers. So taxi driver stopped and he said to us oh pray for us pray for me they harassing me again and so the police officer told him to pull down the window and said papers so I was in the passenger seat the front passenger seat so he gave him the papers and then he started picking out floors and this is right in the middle of the road so he's holding up cars behind and everyone's beeping and horning so he's casually going through the papers and he must have pointed out, oh, this is invalid, this is that. It's just... So the driver, he then... It's actually... It's, it's a whole ritual. It's expected. So he opened his glove compartment and took out a wad of notes. And then he gave him some notes as a bribe. But he wouldn't let him go. He demanded more. So the driver was reluctant. He gave him a bit more and he demanded even more. So the driver then, like I said, it's a habit. He said to him, Salli ala nabi. He's telling the officer, pleading to him with this particular motion that Salli ala nabi, Salli ala nabi. So I looked at the officer and he looked away. The officer didn't look at him. He looked away and very loudly he said, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, <laughs> ahli Muhammad. So he, loudly he's reciting salat and salam and demanding more and more money. So it doesn't always work. But there's, be, there's a tradition, salli ala nabi, salli ala nabi. In fact, in some of the Arab countries, for those of you who visited some of the Arab countries, you will have noticed that after, after Adhan, they normally have a long Salat and Salah. So, La ilaha illallah, when the Adhan ends, and then the Mu'addin actually recites loudly, 
اللهم صل على محمد ان يوسعك صلاه وسلام do you know who actually started this this practice of salat and salam loudly from the manair meaning from the minarets after adhan this practice was started by salahuddin al-ayubi rahimahullah he's the one who actually instated this practice so it remained quite common and it still is in some parts of the arab world but what i wish to mention is that Salat and salam is part of the vocabulary of a Muslim. And this tradition has remained strong in many parts of the Muslim and Arab world. And there's a reason for this because of this verse of the Holy Quran and all of these virtues mentioned in the hadith. The hadith by, about Abdullah ibn Masood, from Abdullah ibn Masood, and that the closest people to the closest of all people to me on the day of reckoning, Akhtarahum. The one who sends the most salat and salam upon me, the ulama have mentioned in relation to that hadith that this hadith contains great glad tidings for the students and the scholars of hadith. Because there is no one who sends salat and salam more on Rasulullah than they do. And there is hope that inshaAllah they will be the people closest to Rasulullah on the day of reckoning. Because this is all they do. Every hadith contains the Prophet ﷺ said, the Prophet ﷺ did this, and as the ulama teach, as the students listen, as they read, everyone continues to recite the hadith, and then on every mention, ﷺ, and you will notice that the ulama never tire when it comes to this, they never tire from mentioning his name with the word sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or even writing it out in full. They never ever refrain from that. And that's been the tradition all the way from the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We aren't allowed to call him by normal names. Allah says, لَا تَجْعَلُوا دُعَاءَ الرَّسُولِ بَيْنَكُمْ كَدُعَاءِ بَعْضِكُمْ بَعْضًا Do not make the address in the name of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam like how you call out to one another. You say Zayd, Bakr, Umar. So you don't just say Muhammad, Muhammad. Rather, in fact, throughout the Holy Qur'an, Allah only mentions the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by name in five places. Four times Muhammad and once Ahmed. But... Every one of these occasions has a reason. But apart from that, Allah always says, Nabi Rasul. Nabi Rasul. And uses other terms, other phrases. Muzammil Muddathir. But he does not call out to him by name. This is a sign of respect for the Prophet. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows him such respect, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum showed him such respect. And throughout the history of Islam, people wouldn't just say, Muhammad came, Muhammad went, Muhammad came, Muhammad said this, Muhammad did that. No. Every, all of the ulama throughout history have always given him honorific titles, and they never refrain from this. They don't tire. When speaking or writing, they'll, they'll give him his full title, and then also mention and write, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to understand. Wasallallahu wa sallam ala abdihi wa rasulihi nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahum wa bihamdik nashadu wa la ilaha illa ant nastaghfiruka wa natubu